In his book, Can Man Live Without God? Ravi Zacharias shares a story about Larry King. Larry King has interviewed over 30,000 people. Different times he has on theologians, asked them questions about the faith, asked them questions about Jesus. He was asked one time who he most would like to interview from history, and he said he would like to most interview Jesus. He was asked, what would your question be? Here was his question. I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin-born, because the answer to that question would define history. Clearly, the picture we find throughout all of history and of today is people wanting to know that answer of, again, who is Jesus and who is, who is he to my life? The importance of understanding our identity in Christ and everything that he claims on our behalf for who we now are is so important to our day-to-day -day living. Let's look at something said by John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, knowing again that who Jesus is truly has changed all of history. John the Baptist, Luke 3, 9, he says this, The axe is already at the root of the trees. He was speaking to a crowd of people that were seeking the truth about Christ. He was also speaking to some religious people like the Pharisees who had a different agenda. What's this statement mean, though, where he says the axe is already at the root of the trees? The picture he is painting here is you have a woodsman, and he sits the axe down, leans it up against a tree as he takes off his outer garment, so he has more freedom to swing the axe at the tree. That's how close the tree is to being cut down. When John the Baptist says the axe is already at the root of the tree, what he means is today is the day of decision. Why was the axe at the root of the tree? Jesus had brought the kingdom of heaven when he began his ministry. That is why the axe was there. The axe was there in a sense that old things were going to pass away. There was going to be sin that was going to be judged. Historically, John the Baptist would share that things were about to be changed radically. If there was not repentance, Jerusalem was going to cease to exist. All these things and more. But the important to his crowd that he was speaking to and to us is that what he was ultimately saying was, it's time to stop playing games. Today is the day to make the change in your life. He called people to repent, change their mind. When the people there heard him say this, they asked him, what should we do different? He told them, listen, if you're a thief, stop stealing. If you're sinning, stop sinning. If you're religious and legalistic and oppress people with false beliefs, stop doing that. Learn to give grace to people. The root, the axe is at the root of the tree. Things are radically about to change in John the Baptist's day as Jesus begins his ministry. But today is still that same day for us that the time now called to change our minds is at this moment, here, today. Jeffrey Miller states it like this. The most powerful way to exercise better willpower in your life is simply to change the way you talk to yourself. Each week, we discuss the importance of our identity in Christ to recognize we're not called to crumbs. We're called to be a part of a royal calling, a royal family, sons and daughters of the king, victorious living over sin and the world and Satan. 
knowing what it is to walk in the strength of Christ who lives in you, lives in me, all these things and more want to change your life, change the way you talk to yourself. Again, how do people commonly talk to themselves in the world and unfortunately in too many churches? Beating themselves up. I don't deserve this. I, I, things will never change for me, whatever it might be. Here's an example, a great picture here by Scott Anderson of changing the way that you talk to yourself. Scott Anderson shared that in school, he and his friend, they'd go to the dances. Each week, they would say, I'm going to ask out that certain girl. Then the dance would arrive. They wouldn't ask the girl. They'd come up with an excuse and say, I was playing ping pong, or I was over here at the pool table. I'll ask her next time. And the next time it became the same story. And this continued month in, month out through school. And Scott Anderson says until he met Charles. Charles, he said, was the stereotypical nerd. But they became friends, started to hang out. And then Charles one day said, hey, do you want to go to the dance tonight? And sure enough, they went. And Scott said he planned to play pool and ping pong like he always did. But to his shock, he walked in with Charles. And Charles immediately went up to the two cutest girls in class and said, you want to dance? They laughed, walked away. And Scott said he was so embarrassed for Charles. But Charles then walked up to two more girls and said, you want to dance? They laughed and walked away. At this point, Scott said he grabbed him and said, Charles, stop. You're making a fool of yourself. Charles just brushed his arm away, walked up to two more girls. Do you want to dance? They also laughed. And Scott said at this point, he grabbed Charles and said, Charles, we're leaving. And Charles pushed his arm away again, walked up to two more girls, said, you want to dance? And they said, yes. Scott said that moment changed his life. Suddenly, all those rejections and no's just simply vanished. And he and Charles and these girls danced and had so much fun. And when they stopped dancing, Scott said he was so confident. He walked up to two girls, said, you want to dance? They said, no. Two more, no. Two more, no. Walked up to two more, and they said, yes. He said that moment he realized the difference between Charles and himself and so many other people, he had a different way of talking to himself. You see, everybody else was worried about the rejection. What would people think? What would people say? And Charles just said, you know, if you just continue to take action, you'll reach the goal. And the reality is that metaphor expands into life, personal goals, employment goals, relationship goals, where people get rejected and so they quit. We need to think differently and be in that same state as Charles that says, do you want to dance? And when the no happens, you just step into the next chance. You want to dance? And you just keep pressing forward because you can say, you know what? I'm a child of the king. Here's a brilliant statement here. Carrie Ratcliffe. Think about John the Baptist. Axe is at the root of the trees, and people may say, what do I need to do to change? Well, here's an easy way to understand what maybe in your life, me and my life, needs to change. Carrie Ratcliffe. Read, watch the news, do crossword puzzles, take classes, respond to absolutely everything in your path with 100% honesty. Your response 
will tell you what you need to know. Are you loving, humbling yourself, giving yourself, yielding to anyone and everything? Or are you elevating yourself over others, hating, fighting, fearing, looking, and feeling shame? Your response to anything in your path tells you everything you need to know about what your next step should be. All we have to do is look at our lives, especially in those moments of stress, and say, you know what? If I lose my temper, that's where John the Baptist would say, pay attention to that. Begin to pray this week, God. Help me with my temper. If you're impatient, if you say things you shouldn't say, you know everything you need to know that needs to begin to change this week and say, you know what? The axe is at the root of the tree. Today is the day to change. Here's the place that I'm going to begin to surrender to Christ to change my life. This gentleman here is Sean Stevenson. He passed away a few weeks ago. He has one of the most brilliant philosophies, though, that he shared about life. He was born with brittle bones, so he spent most of his life in a wheelchair. However, he lived his life the way he wanted to. Became a writer, speaker on stage, was some of the best-known speakers in the country. Married the woman of his dreams. Had a tremendous relationship. So happy. Here was his philosophy. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Pain is when something happens in our life. Suffering, though, is believing there is nothing we can do about it. Pain is when things happen to us, but suffering is when we give a meaning to that event that disempowers us. When something happens, though, and we say, you know what, I give that a meaning of empowerment, then suddenly there's no more suffering. Like Sean himself, who lived his life in a wheelchair. Some gave him an identity and said, you know, he was limited by that. He said, no, I have tremendous freedom because I search for the deeper meaning in life. So I had more freedom in this wheelchair. The challenge again, beginning to change the way we talk to ourselves. James McDonald speaks of the grace of God for each of us when he says this, the windows of heaven are bursting with the grace and mercy God showers upon the repentant. Heaven is leaning over the railing at this moment, wanting you to come to a fresh place of true and total honesty before God. In short, what he's saying is heaven is on our side. So let me share something. Ann Nyland, unfortunately her book's mostly out of print, did a great study about two important words, and hopefully as you listen to this and begin to change some things in your thinking, me and my thinking, taking these two words, you don't have to memorize these words, just keep in mind the point of what she makes here. Change the way you view life, prayer, and maybe what you think of as unanswered prayer. So, let's look at something to begin to change, knowing the Axe is laid at the root of the tree. The day of playing games, hopefully over. There are two words in scripture for healing. Now, in the English language, we only use the word healing 
So it's hard to know which word was originally there in the Greek language. It's not important, though, to know which verse has which word. Just know there are two words for healing in the Greek language, but they're both translated into English as healing. The first word in the Greek is Iomae. That word means instant divine healing. That's the word we most think of when we read healing in Scripture. For instance, and I'll highlight here by saying instantly, divinely, so you'll know that's the word being used by the writer. Exodus 15:26, many memorize. I am the Lord who instantly, divinely heals you. Another well-known place is the centurion, Matthew 8. Remember, Jesus entered Capernaum. The centurion came and said, Lord, my servant is at home, suffering terribly. And here's what he states. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one, go, he goes. I tell one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. He does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This commander says, I have soldiers. Essentially, when I say jump, they jump. And he says, I know you have that power to speak words that become manifest miracles. And he said, if you just speak it, my servant will be healed. You don't even need to come to my house. And Jesus said, that is faith like I have not seen. Now Jesus says to the man, go, let it be done just as you believed it. His servant was instantly divinely healed at that moment. Tony Robbins has shared a lot about being a believer in Christ. I really appreciate he says this about his own prayers, where he now says, I have to have that or its greater equivalent in life. That is a way to see yourself in a royal calling. I pray for that or its greater equivalent in life. What's that mean? Maybe you're praying for a certain job and you know what? You don't get it at the company you want, but you have that faith in prayer and say, you know what? I pray for that job or its greater equivalent in life. That's walking in that picture, again, of saying, you know what, my identity in Christ changed the way you talk to yourself. Acts chapter 3, we won't read this here, but it's the picture. We show, see Peter and John, they walk by the, the gate, beautiful. There's the man paralyzed, and he says, can you give me money? And Peter looks at him and says, of course, that immortal statement silver or gold i have none but what i do have i give to you in the name of jesus christ rise up and walk and we're told the man was instantly healed in his feet and ankles became strong jumped to his feet and began to walk and praise god there's another picture of that word healing and in the original greek it is the instant divine healing that is the word used, translated just healing in English. Why is this important? Because there's a second word used in the Greek language. And again, to know which one is used is not the important part. You can study commentaries to see which one is used. But there's hundreds of places where healed is used in Scripture. 
just know there's a second word for healing that is the more common one used, and that word is theropuo. And what that word means is a rapid or slow recovery. It does not necessarily mean an instant healing, but it does mean a lifestyle change and maybe medical treatment. And it's the result of hearing the word of God from preaching and then responding. So there are places in Scripture that speak of instant healing. There's other places in Scripture that speak of healing that is a process. And both are equally valid and both happen today. The point is, though, someone might pray for instant healing. And when it doesn't happen, they say, I guess God didn't hear my prayer. That's simply not true. God hears the prayer. Sometimes, though, the healing is not instant. It's a process, and sometimes that process includes a change in our thinking, which means a change in our life. For instance, maybe somebody has health problems from eating fast food all the time. There needs to be a change where that person eats better food along with the prayer and receiving answered prayer. Or perhaps somebody's praying for a healing in their relationship. And part of their response is to say, I'm going to talk different and speak different to the person in my life that matters to me. Here's some examples of that here, just real quick in Scripture. One of the more famous, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13 and 14. Daniel praying for his country. We're told this, the angel shows up and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, from the first day you purposed to understand and humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard. I've come in response to them. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Daniel prays for an answer to prayer, and he wants a nation to be changed. The angel says, the day you prayed it, the answer was on its way. He says, but there was a spiritual battle for 21 days. Sometimes that delay in prayer, it's a spiritual warfare issue. Sometimes, though, it's a delay in prayer because, again, there's a process that it might include making some changes in our life where we become co-workers with God to see the healing that happens. Here's an example of where that word is used, healing, meaning the one that needs our cooperation. Luke chapter 13, 14. The ruler of the synagogue said, there are six days in which man ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed. Notice this is the Pharisees. They spoke of healing on the Sabbath as something forbidden, why? Because they understood healing to at times include maybe seeing a doctor or doing work along with the prayer. They were opposed to that because they said you don't work on the Sabbath. Acts 28.9, we're told in Paul, his ministry, there were others which had diseases in the island. They came and they were healed. That word there again didn't mean immediately, instantly. It meant they were healed at the time their prayer was made but the healing took time to manifest. Again, what is the point? Ann Nyland says this, so don't be discouraged if you are after a divine healing and it is not instant. It may be the therapeu healing, one that again may take time. What is the picture being painted in all this? The ax is already at the root of the trees. 
What is John the Baptist saying? It's time to stop playing games. It's time to say today is the day of different thinking. Perhaps that different thinking needs to be for us where we might come to a place and say, I prayed about something, nothing happened. Well, faith says no, something did happen and is happening. And faith is claiming that that prayer is answered. That when we ask, it's given. When we knock, the door is open. When we seek, we find. The devil comes along and says, you know, you prayed for an answer to prayer. It didn't happen. And on our mind, we might say, you know what? Maybe it's true. And God didn't answer my prayer or is not interested in answering my prayer. Faith says no. I'm a royal calling with a king who gave all grace to me. I prayed for this. It's done. Maybe it wasn't instant like I was hoping, but it's still a prayer that's answered. And faith begins to claim that answered prayer, whether that healing, physical, relationship, emotional, is over a day, over a week, over a month, however long it takes. Because we stop and say, you know what? I know he has my best interest at heart. Francis Hunter says it so well. We can line up with the world or we can line up with the word. The world in defeat, the word that speaks victory. The world in skepticism, the word that says it is finished. We can line up with the world or we can line up with the word where we find life and health and the promise that all things are yes and amen in Christ.